Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the GSH Show. I'm your host, Mo, and here with me is Adeline and Martin. How's it going? Hello, Martin. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us today. We've been uh, talking a bit and trying to get a hold of you to maybe have this discussion. I think you have a lot of interesting points for our community and people all around the world who are in the process of interviewing. And I think uh, we'd be able to have some productive discussions around that today. I'm excited to get into it. Yes, let's do that. Um, Before we get into the topics that we want to cover, I'd like to give a quick intro on Martin. He is the lead coach and founder of Career Therapy, as well as a career coach with The Muse. He's partnered with many educational organizations like Udacity and General Assembly, where he shares his knowledge, experience, and uh, all his career advice. You can find him live streaming every day on LinkedIn, YouTube, and probably other channels, Mm -hmm. discussing all kinds of topics related to job search, knowing what you're worth, for example, job search productivity, what to ask at the end of an interview, and uh, even some live coaching coaching sessions. We'll include a link uh, wherever you're getting this episode where you can get access to um, work that Martin's doing around this and hopefully get some benefits there. Martin, we're so happy to have you with us. How's everything going at your end? Things are going great. Just lots of student calls today and helping people get jobs. So excited to chat with you and dig into it. Amazing, amazing. So um, Martin, let's get started. So I think a main, I guess the main starting point is going to be around um, soft skills, of course, that's kind of the topic that is pretty important for us. How do you Mm -hmm. think soft skills help an IT professional, tech worker, uh, engineer, uh, different names, different positions? Uh, How does it help someone get a job they're looking for? You think soft skills are becoming as important as uh, technical skills? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> happy to get into this. I work with a lot of you know um, machine learning people, data scientists, UXers, all all across the board, from even sales to you know the highly technical. And what I find is so interesting is across the board how important our relationships and our soft skills are in order to build a career, not just to get the next job but to continue getting jobs throughout your career. Um, I actually had someone once who said, is it possible to get a job without talking to anyone? And I was like, um, well, you're talking to me, so I'm gonna go with a no on that. But <laughs> if, if, you want, if you wanna figure it out, it's up to you to figure it out. So, you know, the soft skills are incredibly important, but what's nice about the world today is that there are far more ways to connect with people um, than you know there were in the past. I always like to tell the story about when my grandpa came to America, he just walked up to a construction wall with a bag of tools and said, do you need help you know, putting this wall up? And eventually became foreman of that company. In our current modern age, we have what, 20 layers of things between us and that person. We've got LinkedIn profiles and cover letters and resumes and Indeed profiles and Glassdoor, it gets a little bit overwhelming, right? And so what I like to do with folks is, is hack that system. Instead of trying to throw pebbles at a brick wall for a year, hoping that you're gonna chip away enough, um, enough sand to get through, climb over the wall and talk to someone. And if you can build a direct relationship, 
you can get a job. 80% of jobs are found through those social connections that we make. And I think being able to talk about yourself, sell yourself and communicate in a really strong way is incredibly important, especially because most people who are trying to find a job are coming from the perspective of, can you help me solve my problem of not having a job versus mm -hmm. can I help you solve your problem with these skills? And I think that that shift really takes us away from the hard skills into the soft skills and the sales side of it. Amazing, amazing. And um, is there a pattern you see here, uh, like maybe what kind of candidates experience this more? Do you see this more in uh, junior candidates, senior candidates, or you, you don't really see a difference and it's kind of the same problem for everyone? It is interesting across the board. And, and honestly, I will say I probably have a skewed demographic of uh, everyone I talk to is struggling in the job search in some way, shape or form. Um, so in, in that respect, everyone I'm working with is struggling with this in some shape or form. Um, but I would say that folks that, who have it the hardest are those who are trying to go from one career to a completely different career. People right. who are musicians who are trying to be developers, people who are um, artists trying to become UX designers. Um, that jump, I think, causes people to want to ignore their past and mm -hmm. try and start fresh. But then when you start fresh, you're like, I don't have, I've got that imposter syndrome. I, I don't know if I, they say they want three years experience, but I just started learning this thing. How do I talk about that? And even if you can technically get the job done, if you don't have the confidence in yourself to be able to do it and the confidence in your in yourself to be able to talk about it, then we can't instill that confidence in others. And that's really, I think the main thing here is like, we don't want to ignore our history. We don't want to let go of the past. We want to incorporate it and utilize it as, as like fuel to bring a confident mindset to that conversation. And this is one big thing about social skills you know, a huge percentage isn't even the words you're saying. It's how you're saying those words. So you could be saying all the correct words, but doing it with a really like, you know, kicking my, you know, my foot kind of a tone and, yep. uh, and it won't come through very well. Interesting. Do you see um, a certain weakness that you feel probably most of the people you talk to have or an area where everyone seems to be troubled either they notice it or they don't. Is there anything that kind of immediately comes to mind for you? Yeah, the thing that immediately comes to mind in that respect is the focus on what is missing. We spend mm -hmm. so much time saying, the job listing said I need all these things and I don't have, gosh forbid, I don't have one of them so I can't apply, right? When in reality, we only need 60% of what's in that job listing to, to give it a shot. Um, or I showed my portfolio to someone and they told me that I was missing this. Then I showed it to someone else and they told me I was missing this and then someone else and this and this and this. And then all of a sudden I've got a list that's gonna take four years to, to do something with, right? And I right. think we, we, we focus so much on where we're deficient, we forget that literally just being able to show up to work on time, do the tasks in front of you and not create interpersonal problems is like 60 to 80% of what we need to do to do a good job. There's a pretty funny quote that I, my dad would always say when I was younger, which is, it doesn't take much to be better than the person next to you. Whereas what we're thinking is we have to be the best person on earth to even qualify for the most basic roles. Right, really interesting. And uh, I see you have a lot of great lessons uh, learned uh, from your father. Uh, I, I'd be curious to know about your story. What was your path 
how did you end up becoming interested in this anyway? I think we didn't, uh, we should have touched on that earlier, but I think it's, it's a pretty interesting story for me, actually. Absolutely. I'm happy to go into it. Um, yeah, so I, I come from a big family, um, a lot of, uh, you know, engineers and lawyers and things like that. So I'm definitely a little bit the odd one out. Um, but I went to school for marketing pretty much because I wanted to be an artist of some sort, a creative of some sort. And that was the most uh, business focused version of it. And also, I was really interested in human psychology. I thought that um, and behavioral psychology, I, I, I wanted to know how commercials convinced me to buy things that I previously didn't even know existed. And so I dove into that world and I worked in marketing at Fortune 500 companies and I worked at agencies in Chicago and really got to understand how these companies utilize communication in order to convince us to give them our money. And it's a pretty straightforward thing. It's actually almost mathematical to a degree with a lot of art in, in, in the science. But I think what is so interesting about you know working at credit card companies and things like that is I can see, well, okay, it's very clear how, it, how they can get our money. How can we get theirs? That was the question I started asking myself. <laughs> I'm like, if I wanna get a new job, I have to convince them to pay me money. Okay, how do I do that? And you know, I thankfully took some graphic design classes and things. I knew how to make things look good, how to, how to make things consistent, how to build a brand. And then um, I started helping my friends with that. And so I, I got into coaching through personal branding and helping people with elevator pitches, building networking events on the side of work. And that just continued to grow until I eventually got involved with the Muse as a coach. And then once I became a coach, it, it was just an inevitable fall out of the marketing world and into the education space and working to help these job seekers reverse engineer marketing tactics in order to get companies money instead of spending all their money at the company. They you know get a little bit of that back, why not? Mm -hmm. I really like that. Um... I really like uh, your analogy there and uh, how you're kind of reverse engineering the process. That uh, makes a lot of uh, makes a lot of sense to me. And in in essence, it is exactly what what a job search is. Mm -hmm. So and it's uh, a lot of fun. Like that's what's. I think we look at the job search with so much anxiety and fear. Which mm -hmm. fair enough, rejection is terrible and it's it's hard to deal with. But if we can push through that, we can get to the fun part, the amusing parts of rejection which I know probably sounds like an oxymoron, but uh, it is a pretty interesting place to get. Wow, okay. That's, uh, that's super interesting for me. How, what, what would be like an exercise to do that? It's, uh, that's super interesting. So you would take something that is very negative, very personal to everyone. I've been rejected a lot, everyone has been, mm -hmm. and it does not feel good. Mm -mm. I can't imagine how you could make it feel good. That's really interesting. So do you have an exercise? Do you have a guideline? What would you, yeah. what would you recommend someone? Well, I'll, I'll tell you the exercise I did, though I would not necessarily recommend it. Um, and then I'll, I'll give some, uh, some more easy ones to practice. Uh, but the, what I did was I got to the point where I used to, you know, I, I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. And it's one of the reasons I changed careers so much early on. And it's also a reason why I'm so curious about this. Like, career hopping, job hopping world and how to help people through that. But um, early on, I, I was so scared I couldn't even send like an email to someone. I would, I would literally be sitting there and my friend would hit enter on the computer for me to send that networking email. And then I would choke up in the one-on-one -on -one conversation and like struggle to get my pitch out. So I, I realized that I was pretty far behind where other people that I knew were. 
and I needed to do something about it. So I just went hard and did like back-to-back networking, just trying to really do exposure therapy to a degree and do it so much that it became normal and have so many failures that it became normal. And I went all the way to the extreme of, I've gone on interviews to purposely bomb them just to see how bad it could go. (laughs) And this one time I, I applied to a random marketing role. I didn't read it. I didn't look at it. I knew nothing about it. They accepted my application and invited me in for an interview. I went, I said yes again without looking at anything only to realize that it was nowhere near me. I had to take a train to the suburbs, borrow a suit, borrow a car, drive 40 minutes to this place, sit down, walk in the room, unprepared, didn't, didn't look at a single thing. And they said, all right, well, tell us, tell us about yourself. And I gave them my spiel about who I am. And they're like, wow, that, uh, that has nothing to do with what we do here. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you do here? And they're like, well, this is what we do. And it was some sort of like marketing thing in, in, in stores and stuff like that. And I was like, well, and it was just that weird silence. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I guess you know where to find me if you ever want to chat again. And they're like, yeah, I guess this isn't a fit. And I got back in the car, drove it back, dropped the car off, took the train back to the city and sat down and went, well, I don't think it's going to get much worse than that. So now I can go really apply for jobs. And uh, I think once we start, you know, realizing that the literally the worst possible thing that can happen is someone just doesn't want us in the room anymore and we go and move on to the next thing, everything gets a little bit easier and a little bit lighter. And honestly, none of this stuff is personal. What I've learned through all these experiences is that most of the times when we're being ghosted or ignored or getting a, a curt rejection or whatever the thing might be, it's usually because the other person is stressed out. The other person has their hands tied by a legal team. The other tr- person has been outvoted by their senior players. The other person is, you know, struggling with whatever they're struggling with. I had someone ghost me for a month, and then I found out later when I worked with them that they had an anxiety disorder. And I, you know, I've been trying to talk with one client that I'm trying to land, and they just got back to me yesterday and said, hey, sorry, I've disappeared for two months. Would you still wanna keep chatting? And I think realizing that just because three days have gone by and you haven't heard back doesn't mean that they hate you. It just means that they're probably busy and we should be more empathetic. I like that, I like that. And uh, probably from my personal philosophy, I I would add, it doesn't even matter if they hate you, right? Yeah. (laughs) For whatever reason, you might not be a click for them. They just might not like the type of work you do, or, or maybe even your personality might not be a fit for their environment. Exactly. But I think that's fine. It's absolutely fine. And I think you shouldn't be working in an environment that is, is like that anyway. So that's a, that's right. a great thing. I, I celebrate that. And realize that we there's people that we don't like, and they probably never did anything to us, but we just ignore them. People aren't actively trying to destroy you. They're just at most going to ignore you. And ign- being ignored is fine. Absolutely. I would uh, 100% agree. Great. Um, I mean, right up until now, even if we stop right now, I feel like we've learned a lot. I have, and I'm I'm sure um, a lot of these points will resonate with most of our audience. And I think um, it's a a difficult mindset to adopt, especially when you're deep in the trenches of the job hunt. Mm. And it's, uh, it's difficult to really, really practice it. But I think knowing that 
someone like yourself has done that and has helped other people do the same, I think uh, is confidence inspiring. And I hope uh, I hope checking out your content will help people get into that, and um, I'm, I'm sure they will benefit from it. Amazing! I, there's a, t- a bunch of content that we need to like topics that we need to cover. Yeah. Um, maybe like let's go back a little bit into the basics. What what is the purpose of an interview? And probably more specifically in this case, we're talking about you know what we call behavioral questions or, or kind of the, the type of questions that most people are afraid of. What are they about? And uh, what should what should candidates think about or, or what are recruiters usually looking for in a response? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it always, it always changes depending on who's in the room, right? If you're talking to a recruiter or a screener, or you're talking to the hiring manager or the CEO, there will be slight differences in each of those conversations and what they want to hear. However, the one thing that is fairly consistent throughout is that the question they're asking you, the literal words that they're asking you, there's a second question behind that question. So a good example of that would be the tell me about yourself question. When someone says, tell me about yourself, almost every single person I've ever talked to, myself included, freezes up and goes, I have no idea what they want me to say. But they literally asked me, and it's not even a question, but they literally said, tell me about yourself. Okay, I was born in 1988 in Arlington Heights, blah, 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 blah. This person has fallen asleep and we've just started our interview with, like literally think if you went to a movie and they started by saying, Clark Kent was born on this date. It's like, no, that's not how Superman movies start, right? We need to we need to give them what they need to know first and then tell them, you know, the other details of our of our work life and things like that. So what they're really asking you when they say tell me about yourself is most likely because most people are not trained interviewers, they're saying I googled a list of interview questions and the first question on the list is tell me about yourself and I don't know how to start this conversation. Would you mind starting it for me? Wow. Okay. Okay, let's stop there. That's that's really interesting. So, first of all, you're giving us insight into what goes into, uh, into the mind of a recruiter, and uh, you know their anxieties, their uh, fears, which which we also spoke about before. And but you're also saying that they're expecting us to lead the conversation. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity. I I assume. How would you how would you take that opportunity? What would you do with it? And what do you think would be the right right information to put put first when you're talking about yourself. Absolutely. So yes, it, it is an opportunity and it's an opportunity to set a tone. So if you set the tone of I'm going to ramble for the next 10 minutes, that's a long tone. If you set the tone of I'm going to give you like two bits of information and then just stop, that's also the wrong tone. So what we want to say is What tone do I want to set? I want to set a tone of confidence that I know why I'm in this room and that I'm curious about what they need help with. Remember, the job search and the interview process isn't about impressing people. It's about convincing them that you can solve problems. You don't have to be the best. You just have to be able to solve the problem. And so if you can clearly communicate their problem and show how you can solve it, you're in an amazing spot. The simplest way to do this is something called the present, past, future setup of an answer to this question. So I start with the present. What problems am I currently solving and for who? 
So I'm a career coach. I work with education organizations. I would start by saying, well, I'm a career coach and I work with education organizations in order to improve their student outcomes through career coaching. That's what I'm currently doing today. Mm-hmm. It's focused on their outcomes, my skills that help them with their outcomes. So let's say you were in data science. I am a data science engineer helping companies sort their data and put it to use to improve their products and services. Right. That's what I'm currently doing today. Mm-hmm. Okay. How did, how, and then we go into the past. How did I get here? Well, my so personally, my background in marketing and interest in behavioral science and um, and human behavior is what got me interested in these topics. And then I tell a little bit about you know what I did at the beginning of this chat. <laughs> you know, I'm using these skills as well, um, mm-hmm. talking about how marketing led me to this role, and and that's the present now matched with the past. So most people start with the past first. And it and we we're not giving context when we start with the past. We're saying, you know, in my first job I did this, and it's unrelated to anything that we're talking about so far. So you don't really care. Versus, here's what I do to help you. Now let's go to the past so that you can understand why I do these things. And now we're going to look at the future, and the future is how I'm going to help your business. So here's what I do, and the people that I help. Here's what happened in the past, and what I learned that got me here. And I'm super excited to learn more about the problems that your company is facing from a data science perspective, and how I can bring value to the team. What sort of things are you are you looking to solve with this role? Right. And um, what is the worst way to respond to this question? The oh man, there's probably a hundred. Um, <laughs> the the worst, the most boring way is to just say. I was born here, I went to school here. Unless they went to the same school as you, they're not gonna know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then give them just a litany of all the roles that you have. If you literally just read your resume, you're like, right. my first job was in this, I left it, I then went to this. It's, it's the and then statements. I did this and then I did this and then I did this and then we need to say I did this and learned this which led me to make this decision, which is why I'm here today. We need to connect the stories. So even if you are gonna do linear past to present, at least explain the learnings between what I like to call each phase of your career. In phase one of my career, I worked in marketing and that taught me that I really love human behavior, but it also showed me that I really crave that immediate feedback loop which is why I went into coaching so I could get more of that feedback loop. Instead of sending things out into the internet, I do one-on-ones. Same skill set, different approach, better outcomes, led me here today. And that kind of a thing. So let's say your background is in biology and now you want to go into computer science. What was it about biology that you loved? What did you want more of? And why do you have more of that in computer science? Very interesting, very interesting. And um, I think this, this really helps people who are transitioning careers or um, moving between uh, complete industries. I think this is very helpful. And um, it makes a lot of sense to me. Absolutely makes a lot of sense. What about talking uh, other classic questions like uh, talking about your strengths, weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe how, would a, how should a candidate or interviewee uh, approach that? 
Yeah, I love this one. This one's the hardest one because we, again, we, we, we get filled with our own insecurities. We're told our whole lives not to brag and we're told our whole lives to fix our weaknesses. So talking about our weaknesses makes us anxious and talking about our strengths makes us uh, self-conscious. And so what I like to do here is outsource it. If you have feedback from past managers, use it. My previous manager told me that I'm not so great with details, but I'm amazing at human, you know, at, at dealing with people. That's my weakness, that's my strength. It's not gonna change, even though I've mitigated all the real negative parts of, of my lack of attention to detail, but just don't expect me to be building like complex spreadsheets, because I'm gonna be focused on coaching people one-on-one. -on -one. And why do we approach it this way? Why do we, why do we try and outsource it? because it's not so much about what the answer is. Remember, they ask us a very specific literal question. If we give a literal answer, we're not doing it right. What they're really asking behind this question is, are you self-aware? Have you sought out feedback throughout your career? And have you implemented the things that you've learned? So in this case, if I'm asked my strengths and weaknesses, they're saying, have you sought out, are you self-aware? So do you even know what you're saying? So anyone who says, well, I procrastinate, that's not really self-aware because do you know anyone on earth who doesn't procrastinate? No, you don't. Everyone procrastinates at least in something in their life, right? Yes. And so then if you say, okay, well, I work too hard, does that show self-awareness? Not really. Um, actually, it's showing that you're probably going to burn out. That's like a truly negative thing unless you can talk about how you mitigate that. If you say I'm prone to burnout, that is self-aware because then you can say, so what I need to do is practice like consistently good sleep hygiene in order to keep myself, you know, healthy and, and on, on task. And, and I'll be able to talk to you and set up times with my manager to let you know what's happening, what the priorities are that I think you need done and how I'm going to approach it so that you can help me balance, help me prioritize things and not burn out. And so you can start making it a conversation, right? So again, they're trying to assess, are you self-aware? Have you sought out feedback from people? And have you responded to that feedback? And if you don't have managers, I would take a personality test. Um, 16 personalities has a free one and they will literally give you a list of strengths and weaknesses. And you can go into an interview and say, well, according to the personality test that I took, it says that one of my weaknesses is this and I agree with it. And here's an example and here's how I've dealt with that. And that shows that you're seeking out feedback, you're self-aware, and you're improving yourself. Very interesting. Is there a certain strength or weakness that you feel one should avoid hmm. when when you're in an interview? Like, are there certain uh, qualities or negative qualities, if you would call them, that you shouldn't be talking about for whatever reason that maybe you've experienced uh, and throughout your own interview experience or with uh, with candidates you've coached? Is there been anything that you just feel like there is no point in mentioning this? It doesn't yeah. no is it doesn't do you any good? Anything that comes to mind? My my mind is racing with a lot of different examples right now, and and part of it is what you're saying, and part of it is how you're saying it. So for instance, if I say I procrastinate, it's just a whatever answer. If no one would ever say the opposite, then what you're saying is probably not that impactful, right? No one's gonna say I'm not a hard worker. So saying my strength is that I'm a hard worker means nothing, right? Yeah. No one's gonna say I don't get along with people and can't work on a team. So saying that I'm really good with people and I work well on a team 
it doesn't really say a whole lot. Um, the main thing is to have an example, a specific example to pair with your answer. So instead of just saying what the strength is, show it. So, you know, I'm someone who's not very detail oriented. If I just say I'm not detail oriented and I stop, you're going to be like, this person's going to mess up every single document we give him. But that's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in comparison to my other skills, being detail oriented is one of my lowest priorities. So I might have a misspelling in an email, but that's because I'm rushing to another call to help someone who's crying. And so it's all about balancing your strengths and weaknesses and bouncing them off each other and then giving examples. So a good example of that would be, I can't necessarily build your entire student tracking system to let you know where all of the people are, the 300 people are in their job search, but I could fill out your tracking system that you already have built by a seasoned developer and, and someone who understands data better than I do. And that's the conversation I want to have with them is what do you need and where are my weaknesses not helping or where are my weaknesses covered? And so I would stay away from anything that's super personal. Telling people that I have insomnia isn't really going to help in the interview. It doesn't show them how I do the job. It doesn't give insights into my ability to help them. And telling someone that I'm like working too hard or, or I, you know, trying to do that thing where you take a negative and spin it into a positive always yeah. just seems weird. I always feel like just balance it out instead of trying to spin it. It's like, I'm not great with data. I'm really good with people. What percentage of data do you need me to deal with? And what percentage of people do you need me to deal with? And hopefully we have a good fit. Great. I love that approach. Uh, I think uh, it, it answers a lot of questions uh, for, for most people in terms of what they should and shouldn't say in this scenario. Mm -hmm. I'm sure everyone And has. use those personality tests. Those, if you don't know what to say, they give you real good English language to use. And you would be, to me, it feels a little bit awkward to say to someone, I took a personality test and this is what it said. You feel that it's, it's something you should be confident about and say, hey, I just took this personality test and they told me that I'm, I'm, I suck at this. So um, this, is, <laughs> this is how I, I should be, you know, this is what, what I'm, I'm doing to improve it or um, kind of work around and, and try to balance that. But you yeah, feel I, that it's... You, you, I guess you don't have to quote the test, like say okay. that you took a test. You could just mm -hmm. say, um, you know, one of the pieces of feedback I've received in my career is that I is that I'm someone who has difficulty speaking up in meetings and what I do to mitigate that is I've joined Toastmasters and I've taken some improv classes in order to overcome my sort of fear of public speaking and it's something that you know it's a lifelong thing I'm working on but it's it's just a piece that I'm I'm constantly trying to develop because I'm more of a heads down technical person I like to come in quietly get my work done and, and deliver results. And I'm also trying to keep an eye on that social piece so that I can speak up in meetings and let people know when I have something to say. Great, um, perfect. There's other areas that I think are also very common in interviews. And it's like talking about kind of the work you've done, projects that you've accomplished or any products that you've built, whatever it is that you're, uh, you've been busy with. We've, uh, we've kind of come across a lot of different approaches to how to answer these questions. Uh, one is quite popular, it's called the STAR method. Um, mm -hmm. We also recommend it to candidates as well. I'd love to know your take on it. Is, is it something that you would recommend? Do you have any other suggestions for, for, for how to approach talking about work experience, things that you've actually done? Absolutely. I, I like the STAR method. 
Um, it's something that I actually found, I like heard about it really early on and then probably copied it sub subconsciously and then came across it again. I was like, oh my gosh, I teach this. And then I was like, oh wait, I probably stole this. Um, but yes, I think the star method is great. So star breaks out and I'm, I'm sure the listeners know, but it's situation, task, action, result. Another way I would frame that is problem, approach, implementation, and outcome. The thing here is like, you need to set up the story. If we just jump into the thing that we did without context, people weren't there with us. They don't know what we're talking about or who was in the room or what the scope was. So a good example of this would be something like, um, tell me about a time you had a, a struggle with a coworker. A lot of times people don't prepare for this and then they get really heated and they're like, oh my God, that one argument I had. And they just jump into like the middle of the argument they were having with someone. And I'm sitting here as the interviewer going like, what are we talking about? You haven't even told me who you're talking to or what the situation was. I have no idea what this story is about. So when we start answering questions, we wanna set up the situation. We wanna say the thing that we were trying to accomplish was blank. The problem we were trying to solve was blank. And the way that we were gonna solve it, the task at hand was to create a website or was to develop a new customer service model or was to meet with the client and try and upsell them to an XYZ service, whatever the thing might be, that was the task. The actions that I took, let's say it's sales, I did cold calling, I did follow-ups. The actions that I did, let's say it's data science, was I downloaded you know, the APIs and I did X, Y, and Z. And here's how I utilize them to come up with a solution. And then the final thing, the result, here's what the solution was. And I would even add to it, here's what I learned from it and how it can help your company. And that is just a great way to, if you think about the hero's journey or you think about the rising action, climax, falling action of storytelling, these are all really important ways to frame up a, frame up a story. We all love movies. We know when movies are bad, and usually movies are bad when they just drag on or when they don't kind of lead us through the story with all the information we need. Exactly. And, uh, and as my wife would say, especially if the movie doesn't really make a point that's clear to you, mm -hmm. she hates it. So um, yeah. I completely understand. And it's all about, I guess, how you engage the person who's listening to you, right? I think most people, and, and I understand it because when you're in that position, it's difficult to see the interview um, beyond what it kind of looks like on the surface, which is mm -hmm. someone sitting there and trying to analyze you and and judge you um, based on so many different uh, factors that just race into your mind. You're thinking every single detail that I do, the other person is picking up, which is not true. Mm -hmm. uh, most people are, are not that attentive. Um, and they miss out on a lot of signals in interviews. And this is amplified if it's like a phone interview or if, if it's like back to back. So there's lots of different reasons why people will not even notice most of the things that you're worried about. Yeah. So I think what's the most important thing, what I've learned from what you're saying actually, just kind of to recap on what I have picked up is that you need to become really good at telling a story. You need to engage your audience right from the beginning, kind of go in with a punch, get their attention and try to keep them engaged just try to make sense out of it, right? So for example, if you're telling, talking about yourself, you wanna put the point out there, a point that makes sense to them, resonates with them and their company, the mission or the product you're gonna be working on, whatever it is, that is kind of right here in between you and this position. So you first wanna establish that. Then you wanna kind of build up a story that makes sense to them. They're like, oh, okay, this is why your history fits into this and this is why you wanna take your future maybe a few years and invested into this. 
that's kind of what I've learned from you. Did, did I did I pick it up correctly? Or yeah, I, I think that this? is that is a wonderful like that is exactly the goal. That's my goal in life, and I'm still not great at storytelling. I've been doing this for years, and I think I want to say yes to that with the caveat that a lot of folks are like job seeking. Like I need a job next week. I'm not going to become the world's greatest storyteller overnight. And mm-hmm. I think that we can give ourselves a little bit of a break in the short term while still having that be the long term goal of like being better and better at this every time we interview over the course of our lifetime. And I think the main thing that I would want to focus in on in that point is maybe like, let's say we let go of being engaging. Let's just be structured. Let's just make sense. I would settle for someone who goes from rambling to making sense, who never makes it to like the world's most engaging speaker. I'd be happy with you just going from disorganized to organized in your storytelling. And that would be a huge win. And and really, at the end of the day, we don't need to put on a show. We just need to explain the problems we can solve and how. And if they have those problems, they're going to want us to work there. Brilliant. That is that is great advice. I like that. Simplifying the situation and um, trying to turn it into something that you can actually understand, digest when you're stressed and when you're trying to get results quickly. I love that. A good um, way to do this, just to add mm-hmm. on to that record yourself answering interview questions download a list from the internet and just talk into your phone Mm -hmm. listen back to yourself and see how little sense your stories make interesting it'll be shocking doing podcasts for years really showed me how disorganized my thinking was and subconsciously i started figuring out how to do it better yeah yeah. don't don't even get me started there like hearing my own (laughs) voice is just really freaks me out most of the time It's crazy. But, uh, yeah, you get used to it. And you, you start self-correcting after mm-hmm. after a while. Uh, my wife always says, like, you, st- you listen to yourself when you leave, like, WhatsApp messages. And I say, I do that because I want to see how I'm sounding to the other person. Did I, did yes. I give the right message? It's an opportunity for me to kind of, because you never hear yourself, right? When you're thinking, because you're mm-hmm. simultaneously thinking and talking, you don't really digest what you've actually communicated. But What you said right there is the most important thing. You want to know how you're sounding to the other person, not how you're sounding to yourself, imagining whether or not you're being impressive to the other person. We need to be more objective. We need to say like, literally, how do I sound? And, and hearing ourselves is the quickest way to that. Amazing. There's, uh, there's so much to talk about, but uh, we're, we're short on time and there's uh, probably future sessions or other things that we want to do together and we want to have Absolutely. time to, to dig deep into those. But um, I want to actually jump into, uh, before we kind of wrap up and go into final, final thoughts and recommendations, uh, there was a question uh, from our community and I think kind of makes sense here because we're covering typical questions or kind of most important things to be prepared for. Someone asked, so he or she was given a question regarding what is the most frustrating task, problem, or project you have had to work on this past year? And what this person is trying to understand is what is the recruiter trying to find out through this question? What kind of information should I be sharing? And, uh, you know, not messing it up, I guess, uh, in the process. So how how would you respond to that person given this uh, formula that you've given us? Absolutely. So there's a lot of things that they're asking in that question, right? So we'll break it down. So it was, what is a frustrating project you worked on in the last year? Is that the question? Yes. All right. 
also by the way you can ask questions when you're asked questions so that's a little in the moment but um they're saying number one have you worked on any projects in the past year so the answer is probably hopefully if we're continuing to learn although i do know some job seekers who have just done the job search and not worked on any personal projects huge mistake you have nothing to talk about in an interview so the first thing is have you worked on any projects the second thing is are you going to be honest with me about a struggle that you had or are you just going to say all of my projects were perfect the third thing is what aspects of your work are you trying to develop and so instead of focusing on the frustrating part which is what it sounds like we should talk about with this question literally they're asking us about our frustrations what we need to talk about is our learnings so the problem with this question and where the trap people fall into is they go hmm a time i was frustrated and they'd never thought about it before the interview so now they're going through their you know memory bank to find a frustration an emotion pops up suddenly they get transported back to that emotion and now the tone of the interview has changed from i'm a helpful person here to solve your problems to i'm angry about this problem that i had a year ago and this has happened to me when someone says tell me about a struggle you've had with a coworker and i just start talking about the most recent struggle i had but it had never been resolved and it's actually still a fresh wound and all of a sudden like the whole tone has shifted to this really horrible place and so what we want to do is not focus on the frustration focus on the thing we learned from doing that project. You know, I had someone and they just wouldn't do any of the work that I was giving them. And it was it was frustrating to meet with them week over week and try and get them to, you know, make progress, but they would always show up with their hands empty with no no updates. What I ended up finding out is that their wife and was employed and they weren't and they were totally fine with that and they weren't actually looking for a job. And so it what it taught me is that i need to do a better job up front asking questions to figure out people's motivations or their lack of motivation and then what i found out a month later is that his wife got pregnant and then he was very motivated to get a job and then he got a job in like a month and a half so wow. these are the kinds of things where it's like what i learned from that situation isn't the frustration what i learned from that situation is how much of coaching is outside of my control but what i can do to get that information sooner so that i can adjust myself accordingly and those are the kinds of things that we want to talk about rather than this person just wouldn't do what i wanted them to do and you know how it goes people just don't do it like that's not a good answer <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not um martin we i've enjoyed having this conversation me um, as well and, uh, it's it's been great and uh, i definitely want to do it again so i'll I'll try to chase you down get you on another call later. I'd love to. Um but in the meantime, first I want to ask you like what would be kind of your final word of advice, maybe something that you think is important for candidates, maybe they're missing out on it or something that a lot of people are making mistakes about or they think uh, you know you you feel like is is quite an important point or maybe like one point that they should take away uh, from this session. What would that be? This is a funny one cuz it's it's come up quite a bit the last few months. For some reason when we're deep in the emotions of the job search and 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 struggling with all the ups and downs and everything, we forget that Google exists and that we can find the answer to pretty much anything that we're struggling with when it comes to the job search. There's a lot of stuff you have to sort through, but if you're like, "Well, what if they ask me this question? How should I answer it?" There are likely 12 articles or more 
written about not only how to answer that question, but what they're actually asking, why they're asking it, and how to break it down. Um, my video is included. And so I think that's a really interesting thing is like use the resources that are out there because um, you're probably downloading the same list of questions that the interviewer panicked five minutes before the interview and downloaded themselves. And so if you download that list and you read that list of questions and practice them and come up with your five good answers that can answer a dozen questions, we don't need a new story for every question. We just need five good stories that will answer a dozen questions. You're gonna be in a great spot. And so download that list, practice, record yourself, and you should be in a much better place than sitting down and waiting to be surprised by the next question they ask. Amazing. And actually on that point, we have put together a very short slide deck on just behavioral interview questions for everyone. We've been using it for a while and we send it to most candidates before they go into interviews. At the last slide, I believe there is a compilation of a bunch of these questions that we've seen come, uh, come in interviews again and again. So if you, if you need a place to look at quickly, you can get access to that. I'll, Adeline will probably include it somewhere in this, uh, in this link as well. And so you can take advantage of that. And speaking of, uh, thank you. Speaking of downloading or taking content, what kind of, uh, and this is kind of the last thing I wanted to ask you was, what pieces of your content do you think can, uh, candidates or interviewees should be looking at right now? What's What do you think would be really helpful if there was one or two pieces of content that they should look at today? Why do you think it's important for them? Or maybe it's a starting point for them. Absolutely. Um, so I, I do live videos every single morning on LinkedIn and YouTube, and I also um, do a podcast. But I think the live videos is probably where the best stuff is because it's more tactical. There are two live streams that I have up on my YouTube channel that are literally live coaching calls with two people who were recently laid off from their jobs. So those are something that I don't see very much online to see other people getting coached. And I do think that you can learn a lot by hearing other people talk about their problems, as well as get a sense of like camaraderie, because, hey, we're all kind of in this together, going through the same things. You're not isolated. You're not alone. So I would recommend checking out um, the interview with Meg Murphy. And um, let's just start there. Start with the interview with the one-on-one -on -one coaching call with Meg Murphy and just hear how she thinks about things. I think she has a super positive attitude and she puts herself out there and she's going to get a job in no time. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, if um, if anyone wants to get a hold of you or maybe access your content or your coaching, where's the best place to find you? Best place to find me is on LinkedIn, Martin McGovern, um, founder of Career Therapy. And I'm also on you know YouTube, Instagram, all the different places, Patreon and all that good stuff. But hit me up on LinkedIn. Everything is there. Um, everything will be shared out there. That's where I spend the, ma the majority of my life. <laughs> Makes sense because that's where most people start searching for a job. Exactly. So good choice. Great. Well, um, thank you again, Martin. Uh, thank you, Adeline, as well, for organizing this session. We've had a pleasure talking to you, and I hope we get a chance to do this again. Wish you all the best till the next time. I hope so, too. Thanks, Mo. Thank you so much. Goodbye, everybody.